Welcome to China Insider, a podcast from Hudson Institute's China Center. It's Tuesday, July eighteenth, and for our new listeners, welcome to the China Insider. I'm Shane Leary, program manager of the China Center at Hudson Institute, and each week I sit down with Miles Yu, our center's director and senior fellow at Hudson Institute, to discuss three topics on U.S.-China relations and domestic politics in China. With that said, we have three topics for this week. First, we'll get Miles' reflections on John Kerry's visit to China, whether we should be hopeful about cooperation with the PRC in climate issues, and the Biden administration's general strategy of engagement with the PRC. Second. We'll discuss the mysterious disappearance of the Chinese Foreign Minister Qin Gong, and third, we'll talk about the controversial appointment of a new bishop in Shanghai and how the CCP exercises its control over religion in China. Miles, how are you? Very good, Shane. Great. So, for our first topic today, former U.S. Secretary of State and current Special Presidential Envoy for Climate John Kerry is wrapping up his visit to China. With this visit, the hope of the Biden administration is to restart the joint working group on climate between the U.S. and China formed in 2021, and to generally reopen cooperation on climate since the fallout from the Pelosi visit this past year halted engagement on that front. Just for some background, China is the number one polluter globally and shows no signs of slowing down, having approved a record number of coal plants recently, quadrupling the number of approved plants from 2021 to 22. A total of 106 gigawatts of new coal power has been approved in China in the past year. Which, to put this in perspective, China is building six times as many coal plants as the rest of the world combined today. More generally, though, this is the third cabinet-level visit we've seen since Blinken's trip just recently in mid-June of this year. So far, neither Blinken nor Yellen's visits have resulted in any fundamental changes or even meaningful declarations following the trip. Miles, do you think this one might be different? Do you expect meaningful cooperation on climate going forward? And lastly, what what is the general aim of the Biden administration with this series of visits? No, I don't think there will be any meaningful progress in this、uh, wave of、uh, capping the.、Uh, Uh, personnel visiting to China. That's because U.S. and China、uh, they're playing different kind of game. And the United States try to engage China from a mostly transactional and managerial perspective. That is, we have specific issues to deal with.、Uh, for Blinken is to、uh, establish a military hotline to prevent accidental firing, and that might lead to a major conflagration between the two、uh, militaries. Uh, for Yellen is to、uh, basically to engage China、uh, on some specific economic、uh, issues、uh, to stabilize global economy. For Kerry, obviously, is、uh, as you say, it's climate. You know, China、uh, emits about、uh, one third of global CO two uh, uh, gases, and the、um, United States is about the eleven percent. It's very transactional. The Chinese are, are playing the total different game. They were not transactional. They were not managerial. They were strategic. They want to force America to engage China to use those transactional issues as a bargaining chip to force America to submit to China's vision of the world of the strategic objectives. So all these visits to China of recent month、uh, is a result of the original、uh, March twenty twenty three. Phone call between President Biden and the General Secretary Xi Jinping. In that phone call,、uh, China insists America must agree to the following five strategic objectives,、uh, to which President Biden agreed. 
So the five things that Biden promised uh, Xi are, number one, the United States do not seek to change China's political system. In other words, U.S. will not really be on the side of the Chinese people to do anything that the Chinese Communist Party would uh, regard as a regime change. Number two, do not seek a new Cold War. In other words, from a Chinese perspective, if China wants to change the globe, uh, global or geopolitical order and bully its neighbors, the United States would not do anything because China would view that as a, a, a American engagement in the Cold War. Number three, President Biden promised Xi Jinping the United States would not form anti-China alliance, which means that the United States will give up its alliance system with friends and allies and, and, uh, and access to democracies, as was some people term it. Number four, President Biden promised Xi Jinping the United States would not change the one-China policy with regard to Taiwan. In the Chinese parlance, it's called the one-China principle, which basically includes one thing, that is, Taiwan is part of the People's Republic of China. Number five, President Biden promised Xi Jinping the United States would not seek to confront China. This is a very broad and general because the United States cannot do anything that China would be regarded as critical. Uh, of the regime. So the Chinese government regards anything the United States uh, criticizes China uh, as confrontational. For example, the United States would not say anything, uh, should not say anything about China's uh, treatment of the Uyghurs and Tibetans and the Falun Gongs and a lot of dissidents. So this is the five promises. So this is very, very tricky because uh, for the Chinese side, uh, they know the eagerness of the Biden administration to engage China transactionally and managerially. So they laid all the condition for this cooperation. Therefore, the United States would not give any agency for the Chinese Communist Party to play any role at all in the nature and direction of U.S.-China relationship. That is, everything, whether it's going to be good or bad in the bilateral relationship, would totally depend on, on the United States. And China's complaint after that, the March 2023 Biden-Xi call, is that there's no specific cabinet-level follow-up from the United States. In other words, after these promises made by President Biden, for several months, there's no cabinet-level specific steps to implement the five strategic conditions China laid out to which the, the President of the United States agreed to agree. So that's why the Biden team relented. So they keep sending all the secretaries to China to follow through, hoping still from the transactional managerial perspective. But China is emphasizing the five conditions that were discussed during the March 2023 call. So that's why you have different playbooks right now. In my view, all the secretaries' visit to China were mission impossible because the United States in no way would and could give up on many of the things and uh, insp inspirational values and principles of the, uh, of the United States. So I think China has played exactly the same game as it did in 1971-1972 with the Richard Nixon administration. Richard Nixon went to China to solve one particular problem um, in general, that is, to get out of the Vietnam War. China said we cannot be just transactional. We got to lay out, we got to cooperate at a much more strategic level.
you know, you got to give up uh, um, Taiwan. You got to give up, you know, uh, all other things, and uh, let's form a, a, a anti-Soviet uh, alliance. Uh, so this is basically uh, exactly the same playbook. So every time American secretary uh, visits to China, either Blinken, uh, Yellen, or Kerry, China would uh, uh, do something very cantankerous and provocative and to hype up the tension so in order to gain negotiation bargain at the table. For example, at the very moment we're talking about uh, Kerry's visit to China, China is conducting an unprecedented large uh, military drill around Taiwan. Um, and that involves more aircraft carrier, uh, more aircraft and more uh, firepower as ever before. So you got 16 warships uh, encircled Taiwan in a single day. That's a record, right? And uh, you got the China's, not just the Eastern Theater, but also Northern and Southern Theater forces participate. And China is conducting 250 sorties with fighter jets and bombers. So this is all a, a show of strength so that uh, Mr. Kerry will go to China to, to not talk about any other things and, and uh, um, except agree to the original uh, agreements that um, uh, that was reflected, reflected in the March 2023 phone call between Biden and Xi. So while, while we're tying our hands and compelling ourselves to only focus on these specific transactional issues and ignoring the broader strategic differences and uh, differences in, in the two countries' visions for the world, isn't it the case that these things are just fundamentally incompatible, that agreement and cooperation on an issue like climate, as it seems China's trying to sort of insulate itself uh, away from energy dependency on others with perhaps broader aims like the reunification of Taiwan, isn't it the case that, that China's broader strategic aims and our sort of uh, transactional aims are just fundamentally incompatible? Absolutely. I mean, the only secretary of state... Uh, in the uh, in the history of uh, of a relationship between U.S. and China, who got it right it was Mike Pompeo. I mean, he said famously that uh, we can no longer ignore the tremendous political and ideological differences between these two countries. It's a two systems, so you just cannot deal with China from a transactional point of view. When we say bilateral relationship, actually, it's not quite accurate. The true nature of U.S.-China relationship is trilateral. It's uh, U.S. CCP relationship on one hand, and also U.S. and Chinese people relationship. So there is an equation there. The differences between Chinese government and Chinese people are huge, and we have to understand that. Every day the Chinese Communist government uh, thinks about is about the regime's survival. It's tr it faces enormous, enormous resistance from, from the Chinese society. The United States must, must engage not only with the Chinese Communist Party, on a transactional uh, uh, basis, we also must engage with the Chinese people. And that's very key. And unless you really, really deal with that issue, I don't see any sort of substantial progress uh, to be made in this trilateral relationship, as I said. No matter what the U.S. wants to do, Chinese government is going to continue to do what it like. Climate change. China has never uh, tried to solve the problem. Um, they do exactly the opposite. Uh, while in the last uh, uh, 10 years or so, developed countries, particularly the United States, has dramatically reduced its CO2 emission. China's share of the global CO2 emission has skyrocketed. 
and continue that way. So China has never meant to really, really、uh, respond to the appeals of the world, particularly the United States. Let alone、uh, Mr. John Kerry, who has been humiliated、uh, uh, from the day one of the Biden administration by the Chinese government. Switching gears,、uh, Chinese Foreign Minister Qin Gong has been out of public view for three weeks now. He missed the recent ASEAN meetings in Indonesia this past week, citing health reasons, and was last seen in public June 25th. Miles, it's difficult to find much on this in English language media. Most are simply speculating about health issues. Although the English arm of Japan's Kyoto News recently published a story regarding some claims floating around Twitter that this disappearance has something to do with an extramarital affair between Chin and a prominent Chinese television journalist. What is your take on this disappearance? What's going on here?、Um, do you buy any of the accounts floating around? The only thing that's for sure is that he he disappeared. <laughs> oh, he has a no show. As the reasons, I mean, that's just wild speculation. The Chinese Communist Party has never disappeared.、Uh, one of its key senior leaders、uh, on account of、uh, extramarital affairs because it's so commonplace. Many people speculate that、um, he is sick.、Uh, some people say he even died in the hospital. Other people said he had an extramarital affair, and some people say you know he was involved in some kind of espionage case. It's all speculation. We don't know. Simply,、um, all we know is he's no show、uh, for nearly three weeks now. When the、uh, Chinese Foreign、uh, Ministry spokesperson、uh, Wang Wenbin was asked uh, uh, the other day,、uh, "What happened to the to, to your boss, the Foreign Minister?" and he didn't know how to say.、It. I mean, he paused for fifteen seconds,、um, and and he said. Next question. <laughs> so this is a, this is a, this is a very very、uh, very dramatic. Now it's dramatic, but also not surprising because we have to understand the logic of dictatorship.、Uh, it's arrogance of power. So disappearance of this kind of a、uh, uh, senior person is, is happen is commonplace.、Uh, it happens all the time. So、uh, because it is a dictatorship of one supreme leader whose will is pretty like you know wild and unpredictable. I mentioned that、uh, um, it's unlikely it's going to be personal sex scandal, and and、uh, most likely probably is kind of he made some kind of political mistake.、Uh, you don't know what he said and what he did that uh, displeased uh, Xi Jinping. For a person who dealing with the foreigners, this is particularly perilous.、Uh, one of the reasons the former General Secretary Zhao Ziyang in the 1980s. That he was purged was because he told、uh, the visiting Gorbachev of the Soviet Union that oh I'm not really the boss the real boss in charge in China is Deng Xiaoping I mean、uh, for that he, he he got into big trouble you know people mentioned about、uh, you know、uh, many reasons why Jack Ma former boss of uh, uh, electronic commerce giant Alibaba、uh, he's gone. Um, he's the no longer a major player I mean he, he's disconnected from、uh, his own company. He got into trouble.、Uh, people say, "Oh, he made some remarks about Chinese banking system."、Um, that may be true, but the real reason Jack Ma got into trouble because he made the president of the United States, Donald Trump, to a dictator like Xi Jinping. That would never happen because the supreme leader of China, of Chinese Communist Party, should never ask an ordinary citizen like Jack Ma what had transpired between. Him and the United States、uh, president. 
So I mean, I believe, truly believe that he got in trouble because you know he really, really should never、uh, have been given the right to meet with the president of the United States, no matter the fact that he was a billionaire. I think Chingang is a particularly、uh, difficult personality for Xi because he normally、um, steals the show with the Americans. Uh, uh, he、um, represented the kind of a kinder and gentler approach of the United Front、uh, diplomacy. In sharp contrast with the wolf warrior approach, for example, when Qin Gang was briefly the ambassador to the United States, before his appointment to become the foreign minister of China, he would go to American university think tanks to charm with the、uh, with American scholars. He would open the basketball、uh, game at the Wizards、uh, in Washington D.C. He fired the most prominent、uh, wolf warriors、uh, spokespeople、uh, at the、uh, Ministry of Foreign Affairs. So. Maybe those are the reasons why he was sacked because、uh, China has to be、uh, belligerent to the United States, and it, maybe he cannot be tolerated. A topic we haven't discussed as much on this podcast thus far is religion in China. This week we have a story about Christianity, in particular Roman Catholicism. For some background for our listeners, Christianity is nothing new in China. Uh, with its practice dating back as early as the late 16th century, the official numbers of Christians in China,、uh, according to the Chinese Communist Party, is 44 million. Although some estimate this much higher, perhaps more than 130 million. It's estimated that China may have the world's largest Christian population by 2030, and there are anywhere from six to 12 million Catholics living in China. But there is profound tension between the CCP and the Church, with Chinese Catholics having to register with the Catholic Patriotic Association. A governmental organization in China, under the authority of the United Front Work Department, that manages the Catholic Church's activities in the country. This past week, Pope Francis appointed or approved the appointment of Bishop Shen Bin to Shanghai. This comes three months after Beijing and not the Holy See appointed him. This is controversial because the Pope should be making these appointments, and it goes against a 2018 accord between the Holy See and Beijing, which stipulated that Beijing could suggest bishop appointments, but that ultimately the Church would have the final say and the capacity to veto. So, after three months of tension, Pope Francis has finally accepted this appointment. Quote for the greater good, but made it clear that this is the second time Beijing has violated the 2018 agreement. Miles, can you pull apart the significance of this for us? What is the concern from the church's perspective? Why is Beijing so intent on overseeing and controlling the practice of Catholicism on the mainland? It's not just Catholicism. China's ideological hostility toward all religions、uh, has has always been consistent.、Uh, so China's、uh, Communist Party must maintain. Total control. When I say total control, I mean that total control、uh, over all religious practices, not only Tibet in Xinjiang, but all of China. So that's one of the reasons why Falun Gong groups,、uh, Catholics, and and other、uh, denominations of Christian Christianity were、um, under strict state control. Pope Francis uh, um, uh, is the most left-leaning pope in the history of the papacy. He had great il- illusions about the nature of dictatorship, like particularly the CCP. I mean, his treatment and the cold shouldering of the、uh, pro-democracy true hero of Hong Kong, Cardinal Zen, is a disgrace. I mean, he just refused to see him、um, in order to、uh, gain、uh, Curry、uh, favor with with the CCP. Do you mention about 2018? 2018 deal with the CCP is basically this. That both CCP and the Pope would have veto power, and both sides would have to、uh, be consulted with regard to the appointment of new bishops. 
China has repeatedly violated the agreement since 2018. Uh, so this agreement was supposed to be renewed every two years. And uh, after the repeated violations, and I think the Vatican should have discarded this, this fantasy uh, in 2020 and 2022 when the agreement uh, uh, was renewed. Now, because of this, uh, this egregious uh, violation of the agreement, um, and I think uh, you know the church uh, is suffering from self-inflicted damage on the reputation of the church and the credibility of the Pope himself. Uh, Shen Bin, uh, the uh, the new Bishop of Shanghai, was handpicked by the Chinese Communist Party, uh, and the the Pope did not know about this installment until days before. At that point, the Pope should have said, "You know what." I would not approve this, but the Pope went along and and approved uh, approved this anyway. So uh, it shows, you know, uh, uh, it's very important to uphold your principle. We have gone far, far away from the glorious days of John, of Pope John Paul II. Um, he was a true leader of the Church, and he was the a champion of human rights. Um, this is uh, um, both. Um, sad and uh, also um, disappointing. As one last question, I just want to ask Catholics and beyond, religious believers in China, what is it like on the ground for a religious practitioner? And could you just speak a little bit more about how does China exercise control, you know, even at the local and individual level through these governmental organizations? Uh, First of all, all form of religion uh, constitute a direct affront to the totalitarian ideology of communism. Uh, communism has to be total, has to be totalitarian. And so you have to really control all form of competing ideologies, particularly organized uh, uh, groups like the church, right? So uh, uh, the church poses a challenge to the communist uh, uh, ideology and communist system because it has a belief uh, uh, and also because it has a organizational structure, right? And also because it has a mass appeal. So um, you cannot just have two or three people to, to call it religion. You must have like thousands and tens of thousands, even millions of followers. So this would never be tolerated ideologically and politically by the party. So that's why all form of religion cannot really be practiced without the Chinese Communist Party's control. The control mechanisms are many, many uh, uh, layers. And one of the most uh, important one is basically control the appointment of key religious, shall we say, clergy. Chinese Communist Party must really have the power to appoint and dismiss all those people. Uh, so through this uh, organization called the Three Selves Organization, that's that's the, uh, the one uh, controlled by the party. And of course, they also use just brutal force if you uh, violate this kind of a communist uh, control mechanism. Well, history is written in the future about the suffering of the faithful in the People's Republic of China. It's going to be a very, very gruesome um, uh, read. By the way, there is no difference between the so-called reformers and also the conservatives in China. Every Chinese Communist Party leader um, is uh, adhering to this uh, uh, principle of repression, suppression, and total elimination of religious faith um, in China. I mean, you look at the, the treatment of Uyghurs, right? Uyghurs were posing thre- threat to the Chinese Communist Party, not because they're not only because they're ethnically different, but mostly because they're Muslims. 
they have a well-organized religious belief. That has to be eliminated. So they lock them out by the millions in the concentration camps, not just to, to physically uh, eliminate them, but most importantly, to, to indoctrinate them, to wipe out, to wash away their religious belief, their ethnic identity. So this is basically, you know, um, brainwashing uh, um, um, at its Orwellian level. Well, Miles, I think that's all the time we have for today. Uh, thank you so much for taking the time to talk to me, and I'll see you again next week. See you next week. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of The China Insider, a podcast from the China Center at Hudson Institute. We appreciate Hudson for making this podcast possible. Follow Miles and all of the additional great work we do at Hudson.org. Please remember to rate and review this podcast, and we'll see you next time on The China Insider.